Frosted Leaf is Denver's most innovative dispensary. What I like about Frosted Leaf would probably be their knowledgeable bud tenders, their online kiosk, their online ordering, and then just pick up at the store. And then they're always getting new genetics as well, so that's always cool. Like Edgar mentioned, Frosted Leaf gives you no lines, no weight, and a self-paced direct shopping experience that allows a fast yet comfortable transaction without the awkwardness of a waiting room. Not only does Frosted Leaf have the hottest strains, but they also offer a rewards program that will help towards your purchases. I would recommend Frosted Leaf to a friend and I would tell them to look forward to different strains and to knowledgeable help. Check out Frosted Leaf's three Denver locations and download their app today. Welcome in to the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. We're going to talk about everything from, uh, you know, athletic builds to ball skills. And and on we go, and down the line from there, right? Fill in all the blanks in between, yes. Jeffrey Simmons, a guy that I really like. But he's just a marvelous interior penetrator. Special, special, special kid. What an abundance of choice you have with these interior defensive linemen in this class. Kyler Murray, as long as he gets to draft day healthy, he will make more money. He's been asked the question. He's had multiple opportunities to say, I signed with the A's. I'm going to honor my commitment there. This isn't even a conversation. He hasn't done it. That's all he has to say. And maybe after the Bama game, it's like, geez, he's not just a first rounder. He's a top 10 pick. Frankly, I would take him ahead of Herbert right now. And I think it'd be a toss-up with Pascal, 100%. And now, here's your hosts, Andre Simone and AJ Hayfully. Welcome into the BSM Broncos Draft Podcast, presented by Elixinol. Jake Plummer has endorsed Elixinol's hemp balm and provides him and his family with the endless benefits of CBD, then you should too. This is a non-THC product, and 5% of your purchase goes to a non-profit of your choice. Visit Lixenall.com to get yours today. I'm AJ Hayfley alongside Andre Simone. We are here uh, kind of like a kind of awkwardly positioned in the middle of the combine. Yeah, right. As we are going to talk about it. I guess, uh, Dre, what an I'm awful going idea. to skip the pleasantries. Uh, yes. I have been working a lot. I have been sleeping very little, so I am tired. Yeah. And I am ready to burn through some draft talk with you, buddy. So let's get into the combine. Yeah, let's. We've got to start with quarterbacks because that's where the world revolves. Um, so true. Kyler Murray. Kyler bigger Murray, than we thought big he was. Hands. I mean, at least bigger than Drew Locke, which, uh, you know, basically this class is nothing but nine inch hands, which is totally fine. It's not the biggest. This isn't Russell Wilson's 10-inch mitts, but we'll take it. The bigger thing for Kyler is he did uh, come in just over 5'10 and 207. And, you know, popular take is Russell Wilson was 5'11, 204. So there you want. If you're looking for, you know, if we're going to keep saying this whole, uh, you know, narrative of he's there's no one who's ever been like Kyler or Kyler's size and this and that. No, actually, Russell Wilson was almost identical size. Um, Russell did have the bigger hand. That's the the bigger difference. But yeah, so pretty comparable to Russell Wilson's hands. And uh, turns out that might not matter at all in Denver, but it's worth noting on this podcast where we like to cover all aspects of the draft. 
uh, regardless of Broncos and John Elway's latest quotes. So there you go. There's the Kyler news. We got that out. Yeah, uh, if he were to... Um, the Combine is kind of like Tinder for NFL teams. Oh, it sure is. Um, and right now, Kyler Murray's profile just says, big hands and thick with a winky face. Right. So, Yahtzee. Yeah. Uh, let's let's keep on moving down. Jonah Williams. Yeah. Good length. Good enough, at but least. We uh, the big thing with Jonah is how well does he move? Yep. Yep, for sure. Especially in his own blocking scheme, uh, movement skills are gonna matter a good amount, and we shall see that and talk about that next week. But you know, lots of length concerns. He didn't come in with great length uh but was just under 34 inch arms which is totally fine so no worries there jonah can stick at tackle um i don't expect him to test garrett bulls lane johnson style i don't expect him to test orlando brown style he'll have adequate athleticism for the position now has adequate length We're, we're gonna be just fine jonah will stay in that top 10 to 15 mix so nothing to see here go back to the tape and evaluate jonah as you will based off of that all right let's just keep running on down this list before we get to some questions here uh since we have a quite a grip of them yep um caleb mcgarry yeah t-rex yeah he's uh he's the t-rex award for this show uh the big washington right tackle who's Got a lot of hype, Um, especially post-Senior Bowl. Even seen him in some, you know, first-round buzz. And people like the tape. Really great story. He's overcome some different things, uh, medical issues and what have you. Uh, But he, we jokingly were talking off-air, he uh, shrunk from the Senior Bowl to the Combine. Went from having 33 and 5 eighth arms to 32 and 7 eighth. So, yeah, that'll leave you scratching your head a little bit. Look, uh, the kid's super tall. Um, I think that even without the longest arms, he can stay at tackle. But he definitely wins the T-Rex award. And I think for a tackle class where length, there's lots of concerns with length and can this, that guy, and the other stick at tackle. Uh, for the most part, the, the arm length of these guys was just fine or exactly what you wanted. So, again, nothing really to see here. Uh, So that makes it interesting, and I think raises the value of this offensive tackle class just a bit. Uh, Okay. Um, Irv Smith? Yeah. Yeah, personal favorite of yours, AJ, uh, the tight end out of Alabama, though, (laughs) measuring in. Oh, I said that in, was in case you couldn't tell. That is sarcasm. That is sarcasm though. I delivered, I delivered it perfectly dry. You, you would have thought I was serious. Um, under six three, small. Like, geez, in this mammoth wide receivers class, he's small for a wide receiver, let alone a tight end. At six, yeah, you put him next eights. to you put Irv Smith next to DK Metcalf, and you're like, which one's the tight end? Oh, a hundred percent. Um, and you know, he already, we kind of figured he'd be one of the smaller tight ends, but, but under six, three does, 
does leave you wondering a bit. Though, again, when you go to the tape, he's one of the best blockers in the class, and he's super explosive, and that's not just explosive off the line and at the top of his route, but also explosive jumper, and that's a quality that will really benefit him in the red zone. So, hey, who knows? Hopefully this allows him to drop a little, and maybe the Broncos could get some good value in round two with him. But, you know, just worth noting. All right. Speaking of DK Metcalf. Yeah. DK Metcalf, Hakeem Butler may not actually be human, but might be pterodactyls in football player form. Yep. Pretty, pretty much. Their wingspans are out of this world. Um, Metcalf with an almost 83-inch wingspan. Uh, Hakeem Butler is 83 and 7 eighths which is absurd. Uh, we just talked about like, you know, McGarry and Jonah, 33 and 32 inch arms, right? Like, okay, fine. Serviceable for a tackle. DK Metcalf, 34 and seven eighth inch arms. Hakeem Butler, 35 and two eighth inch. Uh, yeah. These guys are sickeningly big. Um, so wild stuff, man. <laughs> Did you see stuff. the picture of DK Metcalf? Yeah, no, it's uh, ridiculous. The one that's going around the internet. Mm-hmm. Oh my gosh! And the man. guy has what a freak! One point six percent body fat. I saw a clever response to the tweet that said that, um, saying basically that uh, the avocado someone just ate at lunch had more fat than DK Metcalf has in his entire body. So yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and he's 228 pounds and almost six foot four or right. six three and so. three eight inches so i guess not almost six four but he's massive um and then has those long arms i know <clears throat> some people were saying like well with all that muscle how's he going to be able to extend like <laughs> i think he'll be fine because he's not human and he's built like an air carrier so yeah, uh, i mean good luck trying to press that guy <laughs> yeah <laughs> like, like that guy, he'll, he'll just body slam you and go about his route. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. It's he's ridiculous. He's the ultimate. Um, <clears throat> like we talk about dreaming on guys, you know, he's the ultimate dream on a dude um, because, you know, his production's limited because the season where he was breaking out last year got cut short by injuries. And, you know, he's been competing with two other NFL talents when you have a decent quarterback, I mean, even their tight end uh, was super underutilized. That was, turns out was a really talented offense. Um, so there were only so many touches to go around. Um, and DK still very raw, but as far as just raw tools, a uh, few, few guys are better than him. Like period, any position, entire draft. And, you know, maybe him and Hawkinson are like dark horse picks at number 10, just throwing it out there. Um, you know, I, I wouldn't, I wouldn't bet on it. I wouldn't even give you odds for I tell you it. What, man. If DK Metcalf was the guy at 10, uh, we'll probably be doing like a live periscope yeah. from the office like we did last yeah. year. And that would be done. I would just get up and leave. <laughs> well, there you go. I wouldn't know. I wouldn't know how to process Metcalf at 10. Like, I I don't mean to say that like it's a bad thing. I just don't know how I would handle it, man. In a lot of ways, he compares favorably to DT, right? 
like a thicker wide receiver, limited production, um, somewhat injury. DT question. or Mike Williams? Yeah, yeah, totally, totally. <laughs> Though you know, the question with Mike Williams was the kid ran like a four six. We'll see if <laughs> right. We'll see what DK runs, but you know, after that Alabama tape where he uh, took them deep for a monster touchdown, I'm I'm betting he'll run better than your your Mike Williams. So, uh, yeah. Yeah, really interesting prospect right there. All right, let's uh let's get to some questions. We have a bunch of yep. them, so we're jumping right yep, in today. Totally. Uh first question from Jacob. What do you feel about the Broncos adding uh Stanley Morgan as a wide receiver, Muhammad Barry as an extra linebacker? Both and both had fantastic seasons and careers at Nebraska. Andre, which one do you want to start with? Let's start with Morgan. Um, we actually won't hit on Barry. Uh, from what I could find, he was a junior. He'll he'll be going back to Nebraska for his final season. So haven't really had to dig into his tape yet. Uh, we'll see if Nebraska can be better this year. And frankly, Divine Ozigbo, the Nebraska running back, is got lots of hype. He's kind of been a hot name in the last month or so. Um, he might be the best prospect of all coming out of Nebraska. Uh, Morgan is intriguing. I think he'll drop quite a bit in this loaded wide receiver class. Not what the Broncos are looking for because he's a physical wide receiver, a uh, nice blocker, good at boxing out and using his body, good on in-cutting routes, uh, routes where he has to come back to the ball, that kind of thing. Showed strong hands when he has to lay out and get a, you know, low ball um, on the ground or has to stretch out over the middle. Um, he's got that. So an intriguing package, but just lacks the quickness to separate um, and kind of the speed to separate deep. So again, not what the Broncos would be looking for, but I think could turn out to be a decent pro in um you know, a, a system that can utilize his skills and already has that number one receiver and is just looking to add like a, a physical possession kind of guy. So well, that stuff is always so important. Just the, your ability to fit into the system that you get drafted. in. Yeah, totally. And I mean, to, to maximize your skills and with the coaching staff that understands how to play. You. Right. And Morgan was extremely productive at Nebraska, despite new system and, uh, ch you know, rotating door at quarterback because of the injuries. And, you know, mm -hmm. it's, it's hard for wide receivers to be productive in the big 10 for whatever reason. And to his credit, he was able to do that. So I think he could turn out to be a pretty solid pro, I just don't see his skills really translating in what the Broncos are looking for. He'd be great, say, in Green Bay or something as a 4-3 receiver mm -hmm. who works his way up. All right. Moving on. Next question. From Broncos fan since 84. Nice. Great show today, though it did get cut off. Our bad about that, by yep. the way. Um, I think we did address that last week, so... Hopefully, well, uh, no, that was last week's show that got cut off. Yeah, hopefully we right, uh, right, right, right. I what you are mean. a little more on the yeah. ball. Yeah, for sure. <laughs> With our effort this week. <laughs> uh, I think we should address defense in the draft and offense in free agency. I also wonder, do you think we could get Simmons or Parks to gain 20, 30 pounds and play uh, inside linebacker? Do you think either of them would actually be willing to do it if asked? Um. <clears throat> 
So for starters, I think it'd make no sense for Simmons. Um, he's just too good of a cover man out the slot and what have you to to waste him on becoming a nickel linebacker. Um, mm-hmm. Parks would have more of that skill set that would fit. I think in some ways he's already played the role as <clears throat> nickel linebacker from time to time. I just don't see him being able to add that much weight. Uh, you know, he's a guy who patterns his game after Tyrion Matthew, the the um, Tyron Matthew, the honey badger. That's what I always call him. Uh, so really yeah. like moving to inside linebacker, I don't think is what he'd be looking for. And honestly, that that wouldn't really be where his skills would fit best. Um, so it's it's a no for me on both of those. I don't think it'd be too realistic for them to be able to add that much weight. And I also, you know, it's a lot of weight. Yeah, it's a lot of weight. And when they they are better for the most part when playing closer to the line, uh, but that doesn't mean that all of a sudden they could just make the the change to inside linebackers. Yeah, it's a totally different job, mm-hmm. and and especially when you're talking about adding twenty to thirty pounds, it's a totally different lifestyle. Oh yeah, yeah. So. Yeah, for sure. Uh, okay. Uh, we'll just keep on rolling, man, because, again, a lot oh, of Oh, yeah, days. we got to rapid fire some of those, totally. Yeah. Uh, Captain Hook. <laughs> Amazing name. <laughs> All right. I'm, co- I'm okay. I'm okay. <laughs> I think a potential long-term fix to at least one of the inside linebacker spots being over a bit overlooked in Joe Jones. Uh, when he tested at his pro day, he had top-tier athleticism, and he flashed that on special teams, and whenever he got an opportunity on defense, pro football focus had him highly rated in limited play, and that paired with Fangio's expertise of the position gives me hope that Denver has a diamond in the rough just waiting to be put to use. What are your personal thoughts on Jones and his potential to fill one of those spots in the coming years? I know it's not necessarily draft-related, but I figured with all the talk on the draft pod about linebackers, you were the guys to come to. So I think it's a really interesting yeah. idea. Yeah. It's a great idea. In fact, Captain Hook and I um, are thinking similarly because when I wrote the film room on how Vic Fangio's hire affects uh, the Broncos roster, I talked in depth about the linebacker position and what you need at that spot changing drastically. And I mentioned the only guy I mentioned on the roster who I felt kind of fit that was Joe Jones. And uh, I too rated him fairly highly, uh, not just for a special teams play, but I thought when he did play as an inside linebacker in spot duty, he showed well. And so I basically agree with everything Captain Hook said um, in regards to Jones. You know, now, he, he could be a diamond in the rough and like a, a low-key fix at the position. Going into free agency yeah. and draft, you're not going to say, like, no, we're good. We just need one inside <laughs> linebacker because my boy Joe Jones is ready to break out. Like, you know, let's see. Even even Brandon Marshall, before he broke out, was on the practice squad. You know, you got to let these guys earn right. it and work up to that. But, yeah, I think he's very intriguing. And I think with Fangio in place could very um, easily kind of step up and become become a solid contributor. He, he definitely fits. He is an interesting guy, but like you said, that's a guy that's going to have to, it's going to take some time. Yeah. yeah. 
uh, worth keeping around, worth seeing what you have in him yeah. uh, to see if you do have a diamond in the rough. But like you said, you're not going to not pursue better options because you're like, no, Joe, Joe Jones is there. Right. Right. And if nothing else, he's a, like a great special teamer. The best special teamer on the team, I think. And it, I don't know that it's even all that close. So, yeah. All right. Joe Jones. Um, let's see here. Last question for this segment from Agathans. Mm-hmm. Real talk. I love the content. A lingering question that I have, though, is on Cravens. Do you think he fits the Fangio mold for a coverage backer? He didn't get much game time, and I didn't notice him flash when he was in there. Could this be his resurrection, or maybe he isn't even on the team? I badly want him to be that guy for us. Yeah, same. Um, always loved Sue Cravens back at USC, but he's been extremely disappointing and underwhelming as a pro. Um the thing that disappointed last year was, you know, he didn't look good in coverage. That's that should be a strength as a linebacker, and he didn't look good. Um, and if he doesn't make drastic improvements, he's not going to be around. Elway or Fanjo, I forget who, um, but said, you know, he'll have to earn his spot. It's up to him whether he remains on the roster or not. I think that's a pretty clear message that he needs to figure things out and start playing really well um, and playing up to his potential. So on paper, based off that USC film, absolutely he would fit. Based off what we've seen in his time in the NFL and even what we saw last year in the second half of the season when he returned from injury, no, he's not He's not even going to make the roster. So, so we'll have to see what version of Cravens arrives at training camp in 2019. I got to say I'm not too optimistic at this point. Yeah, it does. I mean, it really felt like uh, he got second life here in in Denver, mm-hmm. and it just hasn't. It just did not work out last year. Yeah. So, uh, it's it's hard to plan for him to be much of anything. It's even harder to rely on him to be anything. Right. Right. Uh, okay. Did you see Andre. we have one more question here from J.D. Fry? I snuck it in in the, the very last version of the... This is a question from last week that we recorded before we put it in there, but uh, prior to posting, so we're going to answer J.D. Fry's question real quick. Um, he asks, I know this is a draft podcast, but I have some free agent questions. If Denver can't land Amos, Adrian Amos, the uh, Chicago Bears safety... What do you think of Landon Collins or HaHa Clinton Dix as far as scheme? What about Adam Humphreys as slot wide receiver? Is that even his role? Also, wouldn't mind Cameron Brait if they don't bring back Jeff Howerman. Thanks, guys. Or Glover Quinn as a fit. Thanks. Um, loaded question. Let's hit this quickly. Landon Collins. My, my concern with the Broncos safeties is we have a lot of guys that play well closer to the line. Uh, that doesn't mean they're all in the box safeties. You know, Simmons is great cover man in the slot. He can turn and run with guys, but as a deep safety, those instincts have left me wanting for more. So what I'm really looking for is a deep safety. Landon Collins isn't exactly that. Now we're going to play more too high, so he could fit in more of a too high, uh, but I worry that he's a little more of what we have already mm. on the roster. Haha, <laughs> Clinton Dix. I think just 
is overrated. Um, I wouldn't mess with him. Um, so that's the safeties. Adam Humphreys, yeah, he's definitely a slot wide receiver. Great quickness. There have been reports out there that he might make more money than most people are expecting. Cameron Bray, eh, sure. Um, at a really like low dollar amount, he could be your third, second tight end, worst case scenario. Um, but we're talking about, you know, end of the 53 type guy. Glover Quinn, Detroit Lions safety, uh, coming off a down year. But this is a guy who had 24 career interceptions, if I'm not mistaken. He would fit that mold of veteran guy who could play as the deep safety, kind of read the field, decent instincts. But I got to see if he took a step back last year. I must admit, I didn't watch a ton of all 22 from the Lions last season. Um, so if, if he can kind of find that form he had even in 2017, two years ago, yeah, he'd be a nice bargain deal. If not, no, I'd probably move on with someone younger. So there's JD Fry's question for you. All right. Dre, let's take our first break. Let's do it. We have the BSN Broncos draft podcast. We're going to be back on the other side. We have a whole lot more to talk about. So, uh, You'll excuse uh, some of the brevity of our uh, of our personalities today. We are just trying to make sure that we get all this out to you guys. So uh, we'll be right back. It's BSM Broncos Draft Podcast presented by Elixinol. Piper Electric has been a part of the Denver community for over 35 years. Their reputation of being fairly priced, trustworthy, and dependable has allowed them to become one of the best Denver electrical contractor companies in the market. We believe Piper is the best because of their professionalism, because of their capability, because of their integrity, and because of the relationship we have built over the last year and a half with several of their key managers. That was Jim. He's been a customer of Piper Electric for over a year now and loves it so much that he recommends his own clients to them. Sometimes customers will ask us if we know of somebody who can be their regular electrician where they could call for anything from a small job to something much larger, maybe a remodel. And so we certainly have preferred people to Piper and Piper to them. From residential, commercial, and industrial, Piper Electric can handle all of your electrical needs. They've done actually everything from repairing a small wiring situation with a circuit breaker panel to adding additional circuits, adding parking lighting. So really, they have become a one-stop shop for all of our needs. If you call today and use the promo code BSN, you will get $25 off your next service call. That's 303-646-6765 or go to hyperelectric.com. Podcast presented by Elixinol. I'm AJ, he's Andre, we are us, we are here answering questions, we are also keeping an eye on the Combine as it un unfolds live. Miles mm -hmm. uh, Gaskins just threw up, what'd you say, 24 reps? Yeah. Yeah. So, so uh, deal with it. If you know anything it. about Miles Gaskin, uh, he's not a, not a real big guy. Or nope. so we thought. <laughs> yep. Yeah, because he uh, measured in at like 205 too. So. Right, weighs in at 205 and then drops 24 reps uh, on the uh, on the bench and, huh, things that things that make you think. Yeah, no kidding. These uh these Washington guys making us making us rethink life here between Caleb McGarry's arms shrinking and Miles Gaskin, you know, becoming a man before our eyes. This is a uh, wild stuff. Yeah, it's uh, certainly interesting. It's always fun to see. This is 
I always I always like to see uh, the reps and and how strong some of the the guys are who do not play on the lines because mm-hmm. yeah. you just never know, right? Like you're right. like I never would have guessed that for Miles. Had you asked oh, me yeah. going in, I would have been like, I don't know, man, maybe eighteen. Oh, even that would have seemed like rich to me. I would have said like nine. <laughs> like, we see that. We see that from scat backs where it's like, oh yeah, yeah no, that I mean, guy had do nine happen. Rings. Right. Like and it's we... it, it was just funny. Like nine. <laughs> Andre, big believer over here. <laughs> we should mention Yandy Kajust and his 34 inch arms uh had 34 reps. So there you go. Any any chance this guy gets to talk about Yadni Kajust, he's taking it. For the past like two years, too. I've been all in on Team Yadni. How no. uh mm-hmm. how how often do you try and ha- slip that slip him into conversation at home? Oh, all the time. Um it'll be like, did Lucia get her Yadni today? <laughs> <laughs> right. Have we have we talked about Yadni today? You don't need <laughs> right. to read her bedtime stories. You just make them up right. about how Yadni saves uh, Will Greer and David Sills from all the bad men. Absolutely, they're epic tales of uh, <laughs> this great hero, Yadni Kajust. <laughs> oh my gosh! I hope Denver drafts him, and you get a chance to tell him all about this. <laughs> yeah, like. If we do a periscope after they drafted Yadni, we'll have to use some sensor bars, I'm afraid. <laughs> <laughs> so, yeah. All right. Let's uh let's let's keep uh, keep with the questions. Yes. Try yes. and get away from some of the Yadni loves. This <laughs> is getting weird in here. Yeah, no doubt. Uh next question is from Benny Lava. I guess Uhu Benny Lava. Yep. Ooh, Benny Lava. Uh, good to have you guys back during Senior Bowl week. I fell in love with Andy Isabella, and I think it's safe to say that you, Andre, fell in love with Terry McLaurin. I was wondering if you could compare the two prospects and where you think they will go in the draft. They would both obviously bring, quote-unquote, juice to the Broncos' offense if they were drafted, but I'm assuming would have different roles. While I think either would be a welcome addition to the Broncos, I'm leaning more towards Isabella. Here's my main argument. If he were to be drafted by the Chiefs, that would be an absolute nightmare. Draft him to keep him out of Andy Reid's hands. Plus, I think he'd be better there early in the fourth for us to pick. Thoughts? Yeah. Um, I think McLaurin might scare me even more than Isabella. And, you know, in 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 fairness, I fell in love with Isabella as well at the Senior Bowl. But, you know, he was more of a known commodity. We talked about him a little bit during the season. Uh we weren't necessarily surprised to see what he showed while I thought McLaurin really helped his stock. Uh, so that was the difference there. Obviously they're different players. Um, Isabella more quick and more of your uh, true slot just because of his size. While I mm-hmm. think McLaurin could play some inside, but really with that speed, you'd love him outside. And uh, you know, and look, Isabella is, is a speedster himself. Um, so they're, they're fairly comparable. Uh, I think both could add special teams value Isabella as a returner. McLaurin is one of the best, um, gunners in the league and prides himself in that. And McLaurin's also a team captain, uh, which I think makes him appealing to the Broncos who obviously had some success going after team captains in last year's draft. Uh, so that's kind of how I'd assess the two. 
what I'm looking for for the Broncos with Scangarello and with Joe Flacco as guys who can stretch the field. And I think McLaurin does that a little more, though, again, both of them kind of do that. I would love either of them as early as the third. Ideally, you jump on them at the top of the fourth. That's kind of where my thinking is. Uh, okay. I'm an I'm a Isabella guy myself, so yeah, I you saw know the the, uh, the picture of him out on the field the other day mm-hmm. uh, with the snow and everything, and you just have to love the work ethic. <laughs> That's Where? for for me. Like I'm. I'm all about that, you know. Again, I, I, you know, and of course, I come from a world where we overvalue work ethic. Sure. So, um, you it know. sure is draft season, though, when one photo of a guy working in the snow can make you love him. Well, and like that's not the reason that I loved him. It was just like, right, right. It's just like it's at that point, it's confirmation bias, right? Right. Where you're like, well, where's the where's the picture of Terry McLaurin working then? Like, if it's not such a big deal, how come he's the only one that's out there with that picture, huh? Why? Why? <laughs> so, mean, you know. I know some friends with some Photoshop expertise that can make that happen. <laughs> <laughs> if, you're, if that's really what you want, I, yeah. I, I think I can make that happen through my uh, industry connections. <laughs> I, dropped a, uh, I dropped a Photoshopped picture that we had made, uh, that Andy had made for me uh-huh. uh, in the... Uh, in the player grades after the Avs beat Nashville last weekend. Yeah. Or in the film room. It was yeah, the yeah, film yeah. Room that I did. Oh, it was so funny. <laughs> Just hey. That's one of the nice things about about doing what we do, man, is we're allowed to have a little bit of fun along the way. That's right. That's right. Part of the job is being creative and sometimes we can have fun with that creativity while other times we want to ram our heads through the wall. So double edged yeah. sword. Dude, yeah. You're not kidding. Yeah. Um, but no, I mean, do any of those guys, that's kind of the range of where I'm starting to look for wide receivers is end of day two, top of day three, and give me someone with some GD speed. Uh, and wrong. And yeah, that's, we're going to, we're going to fight about this all draft season. Oh, we don't want speed. What do we want? No, just that you want to wait and I want to do it in the second round. Oh, I know. You want to jump on it early. And it's also great depth at wide receiver this year. So why not wait a little bit? That's fair. And I mean, like, if it ends up being like, like, if they go with like a linebacker tackle in the first two rounds, I'm not going to be like, should have got a wide receiver. Right. (laughs) You know? Yeah. Yeah. So, um, but no, that's anyway. I like how uh, you kept it ambiguous. Linebacker and tackle. Offensive or defensive tackle, AJ? Well, tackle. You know what I mean. Okay. Okay. Because I'm op- I'm open minded there. Wow. Wow. Good deal. Okay. Cool. Yeah. I mean, they. You know, un- unfortunately, Denver needs as much help as they do all over the roster. And yeah. Again, I will say this before free agency starts. Right. So you know. Right, and I think it it made both of us feel good to hear. Uh, Fancho say that same exact thing that there's too many needs on this roster to be drafting for need and we should draft best player available which is basically the you know the, that's the mantra of this podcast and has been from day one so 
There you go. And will always be. Oh, absolutely. Absolutely. Yeah. Yep. Wait to wait until we record our next app show. Boy, do I have some stuff for you. All right. Yeah. A lot's changed in a week. <laughs> okay. Let's uh let's move on to our next question. Yeah. Uh Mr. T wants to know. He says, Dre, I've got two questions for you. First, John Ross holds the record for fastest 40 at the combine at 4.22 seconds. If anyone's going to beat him this year, who will it be? Mm-hmm. And second question is, what does the future hold in Fangio's defense for Alexander Johnson, Demarcus Walker, Keyshawn Beria, and DeMonte Thomas? Let's start with me saying nice things about people before I say mean things about people. So question one, uh, I am guessing John Ross's record is safe. If yeah. there were two guys to beat it, two under-the-radar guys, in fact, I would say McCauley Hardman from Georgia, who I get a bit of Isaiah McKenzie vibes from, but he he could run fast. And Tony Pollard from Memphis, not even the best draft-eligible Memphis running back, but super fast, was a dynamic returner. I'd actually kind of like him as a an, an addition of juice to the roster in Denver. Um, those would be my two main candidates. Late round guy. I was thinking offense-wise, of course, it'll end up being like a cornerback or safety who surprises me. Um, but yeah, I think those are the main guys. Look, I think Terry McLaurin might be the fastest guy in this entire class. McLaurin was guaranteed, guaranteeing he'd run a 4-3 when I talked to him at the Senior Bowl. So even <laughs> potentially the fastest guy is guaranteeing he'll run a four three and like making a bold declaration by saying that. And he still wouldn't come close to four, two, two. So, right. Yeah. Four, four, two, two is so fast, man. Oh, it's ridiculous. And I mean, wasn't John Ross not even at full health when he did that? Yeah, he was not. Cause he, that was, he got shut down immediately after he's a freaky freak. Like he is, whoo, that man is dangerous. And we'll have some more questions about John Ross, I believe, if I'm not misremembering. But he is on the Broncos' radar since uh, the Bengals are going to get rid of him or shopping him or whatever. Um, but he's very much available. Okay, Alexander. Pick. Right. Yeah, not a good pick. And we kind of told you that. But that's okay. <laughs> um, Alexander Johnson. Uh in Fanjo's scheme, he's a thumper. So who knows? He could always carve out a role in the first two downs, but I don't think he's a fit. Demarcus Walker, regular listeners know kind of how I feel about Walker. Um, we'll see. I mean, it's been two years of him being a bust. I thought he was going to be a bust when they first drafted him. He's a man without a country, meaning he doesn't have a set position um, and, you know, lacks size or athleticism. Uh, to play as a down lineman, which is an issue. Uh, Keyshawn Beria, uh, look in Fanjo's scheme where you need cover skills. Beria might be on the outside looking in because that's not the strength of his game. He reminded me of kind of a poor man's Danny Trevathan in that he, you know, he's for a smaller linebacker, He's feisty, can read and react, shoot gaps quickly, but playing in coverage and dropping deep, not really his thing. So, yeah, again, not, not a great fit in Fangio's defense. So, again, what you need is guys who can drop and cover a decent amount of ground 
in zone coverage underneath. You don't need linebackers who can turn and run with tight ends and running backs. So maybe that helps Beria. Uh, DeMonte Thomas always liked the former safety out of Michigan. Thought he showed well when he did get limited playing time. I think he could be on the roster as a third or fourth safety. And for as much talk as there is of added depth needed at cornerback, I actually think this roster is pretty well positioned to play nickel with three safeties rather than three corners, which is something a lot of NFL teams do already and allows you to cover to defend the run a little better too. So uh, I like DeMonte Thomas. I think he'd fit. And I think um, he's an under the radar guy who could stick. All right. I actually really like Thomas. Yeah. Yeah, no, he's good. He's solid, of those man. of that of that list, I think Thomas is the only one with any kind of future uh, in yeah. the NFL. Yeah, yeah, yeah. We totally agree. So, um, I mean, that's harsh for me to say, but that's just how I see it. Yeah, I mean, we're talking about fringe roster guys, so I mean, I don't think we're we're breaking any news by saying this. <laughs> yeah, that'd be pretty funny. Yeah, breaking news, right? Broncos podcast questions demarcus walker's future yeah yeah exactly oh man please aggregate or write this i'll <laughs> I'll, give, I'll give you a free sub just please just oh write this and um you'll be you'll be friends with me for life so there you go uh let's talk preston williams you started off the week by texting me mm-hmm Hey, we need to talk about Preston Williams. That's right. As the driver of the show, we are here. Yeah. So let's do it. Preston Williams, what you got? Yeah. Um, well, for starters, I wanted to talk a little bit about wide receivers with you. And we touched on that and your theory of going, jumping on it in the second round. And I, so it's just that I, while I like the depth of the class, uh, and I totally could understand waiting. I I just think that there's a need there that if you keep finding excuses to not address a position, eventually the position is just not going to be very good. Yeah. Yeah. Like you just keep talking Solid yourself into, point. you just keep talking yourself into, oh, well, we don't need this guy or we can wait on this one because the depth, the depth, the depth. Well, why not get one of the guys that's really good in that depth? Yeah, no, totally. You know, like pull out of there, get get a Marquise Brown, get a Debo Samuel. You know, right. get get one of these speedy guys that you're looking for that separates that that fills your need, and be done with it. That way, we're not looking at it every year. Like, well, last year we got two guys and they're okay. You know, Sutton does this well and Hamilton does this mm-hmm. well, but we could really use another guy that does this well or right. that well. Right. You know, just go out there, get it done and, and, and lock down the position. Quit, quit messing around with it. You know, no, no offense to some of the guys that they've brought in off the street to, to compete in training camp. And Hey, they've gotten some guys that have, that have played well for them and they really have competed. Right. But just go out there, get the talent and be done. Call it a day. Well, and a perfect example of this is cornerback, right? There was no need at cornerback two years back. 
but we were talking about, boy, it's such great depth. If they could take advantage of this depth, they'd be really positioned nicely. And, you know, now look, we waited and used a third round pick that you and I wouldn't have used in Brendan Langley. And then Aqib Talib went and all of a sudden it's like, okay, another great cornerback class, but this time it's more of a need, more of a need. Isaac Yadam, again, not necessarily the top guy on our list, but. Well, in like two deep classes and they use the depth as the reason to wait. And it was a great example of getting what you paid yep. for. Yep. You know, with Langley, you know, Langley was a, was a really raw guy Super raw. that you could, you could love the athleticism, but you knew you were going to need time. Yep. Well, in the world of the NFL, man, time is not a luxury that exists unless you are a rebuilding football team. And because that era does not exist in, in Broncos land while John Elway is running the show, you know, you don't really have a lot of time to develop that guy that he needed to sit and learn and, and not get thrown into, into two, to games for two full seasons, maybe three. They needed to use most of his rookie contract to develop him, to teach him how to play the position the nuance of the position to get him some instincts, to get him, get him comfortable with what he was doing and not run him out there. Let him get lit up and then cut it right. because it didn't work out. They could not have handled that situation any worse. Yeah. They failed that poor kid at every turn. And Hey, maybe he doesn't turn out anyway, but the position that he was in, like they got cute with it. They drafted him in a certain spot and, and had expectations of him. And Hey, at the time, it was fine. Like you and I wouldn't have done it, but it was something that that was justifiable at a deep position that we could understand. Yeah. And then they ended up, you know, with Yadam, they waited a little bit. We both we both liked him, but again, ended up being being put into a role that was above his head at the time, uh, and really struggled. Looked like a rookie. Yeah. So, you know. Um, a case of getting what you pay for there where they took two deep classes and essentially wasted them by nibbling around the edges. Yeah. hundred percent. So, I mean, that, that speaks right to your point on, um, on the wide receiver class this year. Um, and yeah, as far as Preston Williams goes, the, the reason I was talking to you about him was he was ranked in this super deep wide receiver class, despite having been kicked out, off of Tennessee for domestic violence. Um, and that's why he won't be at the combine, which makes CSU's pro day that much more interesting for the towering wide receiver out of CSU, who uh, we should mention had a phenomenal season last year. We talked about him some and was a former five-star recruit. So, you know, big name was ranked as the fourth best wide receiver for Mel Kuyper in this class. And, you know, boy, again, doesn't fit what the Broncos should be looking for at the position, but he would, uh, you know, depending on how far he drops and the success that this franchise has had with taking local guys, whether they're undrafted free agents or drafting them at the end of the draft, um, you know, you, who knows? Maybe Preston Williams will be the next guy, and that'd be just fine. I think he could give... Tim Patrick and Cortland Sutton to run for their money. And look, he runs well enough. We are looking for a true number one until Cortland Sutton shows us that he has 
the speed and ability to separate to be that number one. And uh, so could Preston Williams be that number one guy? Could a DK Metcalf in a 10th overall be, or, you know, a a number of other guys in this class, like your, your, your dude, Nikhil Harry, who you never know could still be around by pick 41. And then maybe the Broncos should consider him. So it's an intriguing wide receiver class. As we mentioned earlier, I'm locked in on the smaller speedy guys so that Flacco has a field stretcher. Uh, But yeah, in general, we need to analyze all these guys and there's a lot of intrigue in a really stout wide receiver class for sure. It's a couple of years in a row now where a lot of the top wide receiver guys uh, that have come out have been big physical guys. Right. And not and not just these smaller guys that that you know just burn it up running fly patterns. Right. Yeah. Just kind of yeah. interesting, um, which has also created the need for Denver because it you know haven't been a lot of those guys available, and so they obviously haven't been taking them. And here we are. Yeah, and I should mention we do have one final question that I snuck in on this segment too. Promise this is the last time I'll do this today um but from sutton 14 thomas 87 which kind of relates to what we just talked about he says dre at first i was thinking about john brown in denver as a field stretcher with flacco but then i remember he had sickle cell trait with the combine coming up when do you find out if at all which players in the nfl draft are more or less ruled out as being denver broncos because of sickle cell trait or sickle cell anemia do we already know and it is accounted for on draft boards is it a test done at the combine? Is it just a player's own word? It seems like the league wouldn't have the same interest in getting to the bottom of it and requiring a blood test for this specific condition during a physical as the Broncos obviously would. This comes up with John Brown now, and I remember problems with Ryan Clark in a famous 2011 game as well as Geno Atkins. Thanks. Um Ryan wrote a great piece on this where he uh, sources close to John Brown told him that for him specifically, sickle cell does not take him out of the running for Denver. And he also had some great quotes from a respected medical professional that explained that Ryan Clark's case was kind of an anomaly and doesn't mean that all players with sickle cell will have similar reactions. Uh, I can tell you at the Combine, extensive tests are done so yeah extensive blood tests are done and i'm sure sickle cell is one of the things that they are testing for because they're testing for everything in the book uh it's not one of those where oh this will just interest the broncos no it interests everyone in just knowing the value of the player uh potential concerns down the line and what have you and there would be ways for scouts who are really as much investigative reporters as they are talent evaluators to find this kind of thing out if it was already diagnosed when they're doing their various campus visits throughout the year. Uh, So yeah, as far as I know, there's no one that has the trait, but it sounds like it's not an issue for John Brown, who is being considered from the Broncos as a potential free agent signing. And I'd be all for it after watching a decent amount of uh, Joe Flacco 2018 tape. So there you go. That's uh, I thought that was an interesting question and wanted to answer that one as well. So with that, do your thing. Let's go to the next segment, pay some bills, 
and uh yeah all right that'll do it for this segment it's the bsm broncos draft podcast presented by elixinol we'll be right back when it comes to insurance sometimes you never really realize how important it can be until you actually need it well here at bsn denver we recommend farmers agent bryce babcock to all of our listeners as one of the most trusted and reliable agents in the metro area if i was a customer looking for a new agency i would recommend bryce because his agency hands down is the fastest people i've ever dealt with to get information back to you that was david he's been a client of bryce's for over three years now i used to have my homeowner's insurance with another farmer's agency that never really followed up never followed up on the price my price was actually dropped by almost 20 to 30 percent switching over to bryce even with the same company and like i said his follow-up is awesome he guarantees you at least a one time a year follow-up that he will sit back and review your file with you like David mentioned, Bryce guarantees that type of communication because he understands how important it is to be relatable and accessible. He's a great person not only be your agent, but he's a great person to be your friend as well. If you're interested in making the switch to Bryce Babcock for your life, home, business, or auto insurance, be sure to call 303-996-6509 and mention BSN. Welcome back in third and final segment here, this week's BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. I'm AJ Hayfley. He's Andre Simone. We are hanging out here answering a grip of questions. Uh, pretty yeah. easy to write a rundown when we get this many questions in a week, eh? Yeah, no kidding. We uh, we were scratching around for ideas, and then it was like, no, never mind. And it's funny because we have a couple of evergreen topics that we're like waiting for an excuse to use. Uh. But stuff just keeps coming up, and then, of course, like this week, this would it would have been a good week for that, and then we got so many questions that it was like, well, we'll just build a show around that. Yep. yep. Yeah. Me. Getting on with getting on. Uh, BWR says, "Hey, fam, I know we don't talk about QB enough, so I thought I'd leave a thought. I just dropped Haskins to QB three on my board, with my reasoning being a big question on velocity. I've noticed it on a lot of passes, but deep balls in particular." He can physically get to any spot on the field, but passes seem to float in with no velocity. I've counted multiple throws broken up by a defender due solely to the extra time it takes pass to get there. Am I just seeing things? Is this real? And how much does it matter when entering the NFL, which has smaller windows and more athletic defenders? Yeah, I mean, it matters a decent amount being able to have velocity and zip to get throws into tight windows. Uh, that's for Not sure. Yeah. Um, now I think the more important part you said, BWR, is that he can physically get to any spot on the field. Sometimes, yeah, passes can float. And I think we can get pretty hard on evaluating quarterbacks because, you know, we expect like every throw to be perfect. Well, every throw is not going to be perfect. That's just how it is. Um, and, you know, I think it's easier to be more or less perfect on most reps when playing division one football as like an offensive tackle or to flash on those 10 plays a game as a wide receiver when you're targeted or, you know, we give running backs a break for, Oh, he missed that hole that one time, but then he had a big run here and that big run makes up for it. Uh, you know, we can be a little harsher and sometimes, you know, looking at how a ball floats and moves in the air, everyone's, 
can look a little different. Um, you know, Peyton did not throw the the prettiest ball when he had that record breaking season here in Denver, but he made it work. Um, you know, so that's what I'd say. But yeah, I think it is a concern. I think aside from mobility, the how elite is his arm strength and specifically his ability to zip throws and get him into tight windows is a concern with Haskins. And, uh, you know, on top of the system he's coming from and the fact that he sometimes missed some open wide receivers or would take a check down when he had a wide receiver downfield and what have you. Now, we've also seen in guys, most notably uh, Tom Brady, that arm strength is something that can be developed and can grow as you enter your prime. So I think if we're seeing flashes, we could we could gamble on the fact that Haskins might might be able to add some RPMs to that arm and develop some arm strength that we're not seeing at the moment. But he's, I mean, look, he's a one-year starter. He's far from perfect. Those concerns are legitimate. At the same time, I don't know, QB3 on your board? Yeah, I'd rethink that. I think he has a lot of special traits, and when he goes Who's vertical... What? It's Who's two, two? two? I mean, I'm assuming Locke. Like, because if you've got, I mean, sorry to break it to you, dude, but I think it's Locke. <laughs> it's if if it's if you're gonna drop Haskins for, uh, just that specific reason, uh, you need to start seriously combing through Drew Locke's tape. Well, I mean, the velocity's there with Locke. It's super inconsistent ball placement and, uh you know, accuracy at times. And that's well, and, what's plaguing. There's a lot of questionable decisions. Right. And also, you know, he has those three glaring games against Alabama, South Carolina, and Georgia, where it looked terrible. You couldn't find three games like that. And also, I'll say this. Uh, he played against, Haskins played against a lot of NFL talent later in the year. I'm talking Michigan. I'm talking Washington. And he tore uh, it up. He tore it up. The Now, he was in the superior offense, though this was not one of the best offenses we've seen at Ohio State in a while. I thought their running back talent was subpar compared to other years. Their O-line talent was very subpar compared to other years. They had to kind of modify their game plan because Haskins was completely atypical for what they usually have out of quarterbacks who are more runners and that adds another dimension to their offense. So they had to adapt. It was a different group. And yet he still tore up Michigan, which at the time was the number one passing defense in the country and Washington, who basically every single DB and at least one linebacker could be are all NFL talents. And he, he did his thing. Um, and again, that's just one year. Uh, still developing, still very raw in some areas. So I'm a Haskins believer, and I think there are ways you can overcome that lack of velocity. Is it a strength of his? No. Is it something that'll prevent him from succeeding in the NFL? I don't believe so. But I know there there are people who think like BWR does and uh, could see that being a greater issue. Time will tell. But, you there know, are a like, lot of average arms that have had a lot of success in the NFL in the last 10 years that, for me, when I watch a quarterback, man, velocity is just not. 
one I mean, of the look, things that I care the most about. Like it's again, sure. it's not irrelevant. No, it's imp- it's an important trait, but I think, you know, Kirk Cousins, if you watched him at Michigan State, you would have had similar concerns. Uh, Deshaun Watson, you would have had similar concerns. Um, those are just a couple that come off the top of my head. And so, yeah. And of course, yeah. Kirk Cousins was a mid-round pick. Deshaun Watson also has great athleticism and mm-hmm. mm-hmm. off-the-charts intangibles. Mm-hmm. So, right, you know. Right off the right off the bat, it's like, well, you know, it's different guys, but yeah, yeah it's, totally. it's a fair point. That's the thing. Totally. That's what I'm saying, though, is that that kind of arm talent, which with the accuracy and the ball placement and the arm strength, I mean, it just doesn't come along very often. Right. Right. And I mean, if you have concerns about his zip, aside from Murray and Locke, you have concerns about Daniel Jones's zip. You have concerns of Stitham's zip and Finley's zip at times. Definitely Gardner Minshew's zip. Definitely Clayton Thorson. Definitely Easton Stick. Definitely Will Greer and McSorley. So, yeah, it's not an elite trait, but it's a better trait than a lot of other quarterbacks in this class. Right. So, And I'm just, just my own personal opinion here. He's way better than Drew Locke. I mean, we study this stuff year-round, right? And we were talking about Drew Locke a year ago, so we're mm-hmm. we're probably we're more familiar with Drew Locke than we are Haskins, and we do our evaluations. Our evaluations are heavily built on film, right? Um, well, yeah. And when you go off of the film, which is how we mostly grade players, it's there's there's no comparison between Drew Locke and Haskins. Um, Drew Locke, yes, he has the more appealing raw skill set. But when you watch the tape, Haskins is uh, without a doubt the superior player. With, and I mean, hey, admittedly a much, much better supporting cast. But, you know. Let's, uh, do you want to talk about 2019, 2020, or do you want to get to this last question first? Let's get to the last question first and see how we're feeling. All right. Sudden 14 Thomas 87 says, as always, I appreciate the heck out of the draft pod. As always, we appreciate the heck out of you. That's exactly Uh, right. You guys add so much value to a BSN subscription. Can you do a ranked list of each QB in this class according to their DPR? Thanks as always for the content. As the mastermind behind DPR, Andre. Yeah. um, So the the big thing with DPR uh, for any prospects uh, and you know, whether it's college or doing it for like hockey, which I know we'd love to do, um, you know, doing it for basketball, uh, doing it for baseball. The big issue is competition level. Um, So is someone who is tearing up the big 12, do they deserve a DPR on the same scale as someone who's playing in the SEC? And that doesn't even take into account supporting casts and offensive systems that they play in. Uh, the beauty of the pro leagues is that competition level is is the same for everyone. And more or less, you know, there'll be minor tweaks in systems and what have you. But again, we're more or less working off the same same info, same platform. For college and draft prospects, that becomes a lot harder. 
Um, it's absolutely a goal of mine, uh, but this is a long-term goal. I, I won't be any making any promises that this is something we'll have up this year. It might be something just for fun that I do for the top five or so, if I can find all the relevant stats I do need for DPR, which is far from a given. Uh, so I'll look into that set in 14 Thomas 87, but don't hold your breath this year. But yes, that is something I would love, 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 love to do in the near future. It would be, oh, it would be so cool to get into some of that. It'd be unbelievable. Uh, the, uh, adjusting for competition though would be so tough in like, like in, in hockey, obviously. Yeah. Yeah. With, yeah. Oh, what's that? They draft from 11 different leagues. <laughs> right. Right. And I, I can't even imagine like baseball, like, Oh, this guy's playing um, high school ball in a Northern state where he's not really facing great pitching. And this guy's playing in the SEC where he faced uh, 10 guys who are going to go in the first 10 rounds of the MLB draft. How do I evaluate that? Um, right. You know, with football, it actually might be easier. Now, part of the problem is I'd have to go through some box scores. may have to find some third down percentages and stuff like that. Red zone percentages, stuff like that. But, hey, it can be done. I let's, For Locke, Murray, and Haskins, I think I could pull it off. We'll see. We'll see from there. So, look, I'm already changing my tune. So, so there you go. A win for you. A win for me. Yeah. Well, I was win. mostly talking to Sutton Thomas, but yeah, it's a yeah. win for you too, AJ. It's a win for all of us, man. Actually, that's that's actually correct. Yes. Yeah. That's true. All right. Before we get into 2019-2020, I just have a quick question for you. Mm-hmm. Since I'm not going to leave a comment on the, on the pod. I just want to... I'm curious. You should. With I should with with no preparation whatsoever. I just want to ask you a quick question. Right, right. Who is your favorite prospect in this year's draft class? And I mean, not it, not like yeah. positional value. Yeah. You know, yeah. just which one do you enjoy mm-hmm. sitting down and watching play the most? Which one brings uh, you the most joy? Okay, okay. So, like, when you first asked this, I thought you were kind of mentioned. You were basically talking about who's my guy, um, and my guy would be Cleveland Farrell, just barely ahead of, say, believe it or not, Yannicka Juiced and Draymond Jones. Like, I feel like I'm somewhat in- invested in those guys while I'm not invested in others. Um, the guy who it's like, oh, I should watch tape of like the 20th corner more tape on the 20th cornerback on my board um but i see this one guy's tape get added to my database and i'm like oh i want to watch that like so purely entertainment value that's kyler freaking murray dude Mm -hmm. like it's not even close like his tape is so enjoyable to watch it's so much fun um and it's it's so much fun, like, you know, doing that internal debate of like, oh, oh, would this translate? Would this not translate? And all that kind of stuff. Like, Kyler to his core is 
what sparked my interest in doing draft coverage way back when. And, you know, it's that, it's that search for thinking outside the box, but also understanding why great college players don't always translate to being great pro players. And I mean, he's just got everything. Um, My love for uh, mobile quarterbacks and great athletes and people who can sling it deep. Um, And, you know, just watching that offense and the fact that I don't just, anytime you put Kyler Murray's tape on, you're not just watching Kyler Murray, you're watching Marquise Brown and Cody Ford and four other offensive linemen who are draft eligible and will go pretty high. And you're watching Lincoln Riley's scheme. It's just, it just has everything. Um, So yeah, as far as entertainment value and who I enjoy watching the most, it's Kyler Murray without a doubt. Who still is in my QB one? He's my QB two, but that's uh that's mm-hmm. a fun question. Who would your guy be? Nikhil Harry. <laughs> okay, I should have seen that coming. I, I mean, don't even know why I'm laughing. I'm just laughing because I mean it's really Nikhil Harry, uh Kyler Murray, and Ed Oliver. Yeah, yeah. Again, three guys are, that I just three guys I, like I just love guys. watching play, man. Yeah. Like and I mean, We're, Devin White would be up there for me too. Let's. Devin White is also really, really yeah. fun to watch. But as much as I like, I, as I like Devin White, I actually like uh, uh, the kid from Michigan more. Just oh, Devin, the other play. Devin, Devin yes, Bush, the other Devin Bush. Yeah, yeah. I like watching just watching bad. him fly all over the field as like a smaller guy, maximizing every ounce of talent. Like I'm like, get it, dude, get it. Oh, and what I love about Devin Bush is he's a small guy, but he's a thumper. Like he imposes his will. He'll lay down the hammer and stuff. So he's fun to watch in that sense too. Yeah, Bush is uh, Bush is a guy that I'm actually really curious where his draft stock ends up. Uh, because I could see somebody late in the first round. Like, could you not yep. see the Patriots being like, we love that guy. Oh my gosh, just, please just don't make that happen. A smart player that just yeah. goes balls out all the time. Yeah, totally. Yeah, totally. I love it. I, You know, he's Vic Fangio coached under John or Jim Harbaugh for a little while there. So he's going to get some unique insights on that Michigan player who... Uh, was also under Mr. Khaki Pants, so <laughs> Mr. Khaki Pants. So yeah, it's uh it's gonna get fun. All right, let's uh we've got one last thing that we want to touch on. Yeah. John Elway touched on at the combine the 2019 quarterback class mm-hmm. and how they're going through their evaluations. The mm-hmm. quote is we're still in the process of studying them. We'll keep looking at them. I think that there are a lot of people excited about next year's class, but we're going to spend the time on this year's class and see where we come out on that. I think there are some good players in this draft too. Andre, you and I read that the same way. Mm-hmm. John Elway loves Justin Herbert. Right, because then you add to that the fact that he also talked about height affecting you from playing under center, and he wants to play under center, so he doesn't (laughs) want short guys, which even if you like the 2020 class, that takes guys like Tua Tagovailoa and Jake Fromm, who are barely 6'1", out of the running, right? And it's kind of like, yeah, you love Herbert, which is something that like DMAC had talked about on the radio, RK in his piece yesterday, uh, mentioned how he was calling Justin Herbert by his first name, Justin, 
Um, so yeah, it just seems like there's a lot of love for the six, six Oregon quarterback who he was there watching live against Washington, right? Which we always said, I mean, we did this podcast year round. We said he, he was like unbelievable against Washington, very good against Stanford, very good against Cal, the best defenses he faced and then completely fell apart. And even in those three games, you know, one of those they lose in overtime in part because he couldn't get things together both in the fourth quarter or in OT. Uh, and he just showed some inconsistencies. And I think he's never gotten over what I was talking about when I was evaluating him when I went to see Josh Allen against Oregon. So like early in the 2017 season and how he was not processing information. He got lucky that like two picks got dropped I'm sitting next to the coach's box of Oregon and they were like screaming their heads off before some of these passes were even thrown because they were like, don't throw it there. Don't throw it there. And he throws it there. So decision-making ability to process information quickly really needs to get better. And I wonder how much uh, we're seeing, you know, his, uh, that offense kind of cover up some of his deficiencies on like so that's me on herbert and i've said i said on this show a little while back mm -hmm. given how they ended the season the competition they played uh the the comp the level of talent around them and everything and the fact that in a lot of ways they're similar prospects they check off a lot of the same boxes drew Locke to me based off you know the 2018 tape but even what they've put on tape so far so we won't be i 2019 tape from Herbert doesn't play into that because I don't have, you know, uh, back to the future car to, to go, go ahead in time and see how that pans out. But as of now, with the info that we do have drew Locke as a better quarterback than Justin Herbert, um, you know, Tua probably for his resume would be the top quarterback in this class. But I would argue Kyler Murray was much more consistent when he had to face the best competition. I mean, it has to scare you that Tua was so uh, risk-prone and it really bit him against Georgia and against Clemson, where he played terribly. Um, and frankly, they should have lost both those games and would have if uh, the backup quarterback didn't come in and save him against Georgia. So, you know, is he that much better than a Kyler Murray who in the end is like what, two inches shorter and 10 pounds lighter. Is that enough of a reason to elevate him so far ahead of Kyler Murray? And Dwayne Haskins ended the season a lot better against similar competition. There's no like guy to put head to head with Haskins. If Haskins is against Fromm, it's a win in a landslide for Haskins. Fromm to me is overrated the way Jake Browning was overrated at this time last year when people were like, Oh, looking ahead. Uh, it's Justin Herbert, right? And even that, it's based like off game half won. in one game. Um, you know, like is how people need to tell me what makes Jake Fromm all that better than like Andy Murray, the quarterback at Georgia who never succeeded as a pro. To me, he's he's no better than saying an Andy Dalton. He's kind of a system quarterback. Uh, nothing special athletically, frame wise, arm talent wise. Um, and, you know, as a freshman or sophomore, he was more the reason that Georgia wasn't able to take that next step rather than someone who elevated that team. And just look at the group of wide receivers, tight ends, 
and especially running backs that he had. Uh, it's arguably the best group that any quarterback had available in the country, and he was still a hindrance to that team. So um, Sam Ellinger is a guy I like, but I don't see much hype on the Texas quarterback, and he's a run-first quarterback right now. So I do not understand the 2020 hype. I'm surprised that Elway's already looking forward. So, you know, again, as people who do this year-round, I would temper expectations. And as we've always said to us, this class looks a lot like 2017 where no one would have expected Trubisky, Watson, or Mahomes to have the early success they've had. Not only have they had early success, in two years they've turned their franchises around, and all three of those teams were... uh, in the playoffs and making some real noise. So uh, that's kind of my thought. And I thought I just wanted to put that out. Sometimes this is my, this pod is my chance to rant like I did on linebackers versus cornerbacks last week. So there's my, my little rant for this week. It's your platform. Yeah, I guess so. (laughs) Well, not looking forward to the uh, do everything Denver can to get Justin Herbert next year, but yeah, um, we'll see how this year's draft goes. We still got a long way until though until we have to deal with the 2020 draft, right? And hopefully, these are all smoke screens from Elway, who saw every mock draft in the world had him taking Drew Locke, and he wanted to have some security and having Flacco on the roster, and is kind of trying to you know smoke screen everyone and thinking like. No, we're definitely not taking a quarterback. And who knows? Maybe if the right guy drops to him, he would take a quarterback. So we'll see. All right. We will see. Dre, I think that's it for this week. I think so, buddy. Also, just uh, you you threw me off. Uh, You mean Aaron Murray. Oh, Aaron Murray. Yeah. yeah Andy Murray said, is a tennis player from Scotland. If I'm yeah. Honest. You said Andy Murray and I was like, he just retired. And then I was like, wait, 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 wait. He's playing. That's that, that you do. That dude plays tennis. Right. Right. You were like, <laughs> oh, that's an interesting comp. Yeah. I well, Cause at first I was like, Andy Murray. I was like, I, I know that there was an Aaron Murray that got drafted by the chiefs. Right, who was right. who was quarterback uh, of Georgia? But yeah, anyway, I just thought that was funny. Uh, yeah, since I know yeah, a lot I'm of shows like to do fact totally. checks at the end, I yeah. I had that one waiting. No, since... well played. I'm glad you did that. <laughs> you threw me off with the Andy Murray thing, man. He was he was my my favorite tennis player on on the men's tour the last several years. So it's yeah, same, same. It's it's been a heartbreak uh, watching mm-hmm. him go out. It's true. But what's not a heartbreak is when you start off your day with some of the game-changing coffee that we are excited to tell you guys about. Strava Craft is CBD-enriched coffee that has really changed lives. They have incredible reviews. Make sure that you check them out. Uh, The CBD-infused coffee has taken away long-term migraines, back pain, arthritis, IBS. It's helped decrease anxiety. You name it. CBD is all natural and not psychoactive. The coffee is rich and tasty, and we couldn't recommend it more to our listeners. Check it out for yourself today. Receive 20% off when you use the uh, promo code BSN2019 at checkout, and you'll get it shipped straight to your door. I am AJ Hatefully. He is Andre Simone. We have been the BSN Broncos Draft Podcast. Thank you guys so much for listening. We will see you next week.